0: And we're live for, I believe it's the fourth episode of the Filet Podcast. Um, welcome to the podcast, uh, if you're a first-time uh, listener of the podcast. Um, today, uh, we, we talk about a wide variety of topics, and I think it's going to be pretty cool to kind of see the future of the podcast, but today is uh, going to be a pretty simple podcast. It's going to be kind of just all things NBA-related. We're kind of going to dive into a few topics, uh, more specifically just the All Star game in itself, because of the fact that the new reserve list has officially come out. So we're going to be getting our first reactions to those. Uh, but before we kind of get into it, I just want to say very quickly, you know, uh, thank you everybody for the support thus far. You know, I've kind of said this 88 times already. It feels like I feel like I'm a broken record, but um, the amount of support that has been on these is insane. And Kind of seeing the viewership and everything like that from not only SoundCloud, but also on Spotify um, has been honestly much higher than the initial expectations that I had. So it's super cool to kind of be able to see. Um, but if you guys are enjoying it, if you guys are on SoundCloud, be sure to like and repost and hit that follow button, too, if you guys really like it that much. And then also for uh, Spotify as well, you know, just to kind of show that support, man. If you guys like the podcast, you guys want to continue seeing more. Be sure to follow and everything like that, just so you can kind of get into the know of the drops and everything like that. But yeah, without further ado, let's kind of get into it today. So um, today we're going to be talking about all things NBA, Um, kind of like I mentioned a little bit ago. So the new uh, all-star lineups have been dropped. So these are basically official. Obviously, the starting lineups dropped, I believe, Thursday of last week, if I remember correctly, or Friday, one of those two days. And we just received the reserves uh, just about, I think it was like an hour ago when they came out. Um, So we're kind of going to get into the list here, kind of announce them if you haven't seen, if you haven't heard them already. And then also kind of get into whether or not I agree with the list or if I believe anybody else should be added. So for the West reserves, uh, we got Anthony Davis at, I believe, the forward spot. Paul George should be at a guard. Uh, Gobert at the center. Dame at the PG. Donovan Mitchell at the shooting guard, Chris Paul at the PG, and Zion Williamson to round it out uh, at the four position. Now, I, the biggest snub out of the Western Conference is clearly Devin Booker. Devin Booker out of Phoenix um, is, and LeBron kind of said it on Twitter too, I guess earlier today, which was that he's the most disrespected player in the NBA. Feels like LeBron always says that about one player <laughs> every All-Star game, it feels like, but... Um, it's weird not to see Devin Booker get that respect just because of the fact that, I mean, Phoenix has been great. And obviously living here in the Phoenix area, I mean, there's a lot of buzz surrounding the team and kind of sucks that COVID's kind of happening because I do believe that arena would be packed out every single night, especially with fans trying to get in because um, that's just definitely one of the things that I want to see once COVID clears up and everything like that. But this team has been great. Uh, if I remember correctly, I think they're fourth in the East or fourth, fourth in the West. I apologize. Yeah, they're fourth in the West right now. They're at 19 and 10, only four and a half back from the Jazz right now. And they've been super They've been super good, eight and two in their last 10. They've been one of the best teams in the league over the course of the last week and a half, two weeks. Um, and it's super weird to not see Devin Booker get that respect. Um, in, in terms of everything that I kind of see, like who would you kind of replace for Devin Booker? That's the real question. Um, the the first question that you always ask yourself is, every single time the All-Star, you know, lineups come out is, all right, well, you believe that person was snubbed, all right, so then who are you replacing them with? And that's the toughest thing about the NBA is that there's only a limited amount of slots. So can you rightfully say, all right, this person shouldn't have been in, it should have been this person? And honestly, like, out of this list, I mean, I think Booker's been more important than Chris Paul for sure. But I think the person I look at is Anthony Davis. Like, I don't think, I mean, Anthony Davis is going to be injured anyway, so he's going to be subbed out. I think the only question is about Anthony Davis is, are they going to sub him out for another forward, or are they subbing him out for the next man up? And the next man up is clearly Devin Booker. But if it were up to me, I think Booker would have made it over AD. And that's not a slight on Anthony Davis. That's just one of those things where it's like, you know, Anthony Davis has missed a few more games than Booker has. Um, obviously, between now and the All-Star game, Davis is not going to be playing at all. I think he's out for the next four weeks, if I remember correctly. Um, and not only that, I just I just think that what Booker's done this year is more impressive. And it's not like their records are that far-fetched. Um, the Lakers are only two games up on the Suns right now. And that could very likely change, too, especially with Anthony Davis being out and everything like that. But I'm under the impression, too, that the NBA just kind of gave Anthony Davis the All-Star nod just simply for the fact that they knew he was going to get subbed. So, we just put him in and sub him out and give somebody else the all star berth. But Anthony Davis has been stellar. It's just we're not used to, like, we're used to Anthony Davis dropping 27 and 12 or 27 and 10, whatever the case is. And obviously, this year is having a little bit of off year. I think he's averaging about 22 and 8, um, which to Anthony Davis standards is not that great. Um, but it's always hard. It's always hard to imagine, you know, a game without Anthony Davis in it. But Booker's earned that nod, and it was kind of weird for me to see him not get it. Um, And then, of course, you know, Dame Lillard and all that stuff, he's in the the All-Star Reserves. He definitely did get snubbed for the starter. Um, It was weird for him not to get it. Even Luka, because Luka was the person that, you know, went above him. Even Luka came out and said, "Yo, this should have been Dame's spot. And there really wasn't a reason why Dame shouldn't have been the starter. I mean, ultimately, it's not a big deal, and... Um, You know, obviously, when you're looking at the Hall of Fame or post-career achievements, nobody's going to be like, okay, this person was a 12-time All-Star, but only five of them he started. They're just going to say he's a 12-time All-Star. So, ultimately, it's not a big deal, right? And at first, I was like, bro, I'm pissed. But, you know, after, like, five minutes or so, I was just like, bro, like, <laughs> like these guys are both making the All-Star team. Now, if Dame missed it entirely, boycott but he didn't, you know, he made the all-star, he made the all-star team and it was comfortable. Now I think for me, it's not necessarily the West that had the problems. I think for sure it was definitely the Eastern conference that had some problems. And with Eastern conference, I mean, you can think of, you know, 12 players that deserve to be in the reserve lineup. You know, there's obviously, there was a few snubs on there that I think people had problems with. Um, One of those kind of being, uh, there was actually, no, there was a few, I mean, people like Chris Middleton, uh, DeMontis Sabonis uh, out of Indiana was one guy that I honestly would have thought made it, or I, I believe he should have made it. You know, the way DeMontis has played has been nothing short of great. Um, and like I said, too, there's not a reason as to why he shouldn't have made it. Um, you know, obviously, if you look at the, you know, the other spots there, you know, the ones that the centers took, you know, in the, uh, in the East, uh, people like Nikola Vucevic, Um, Julius Randle, um, and I think they put Ben Simmons at the guard spot, so it really wouldn't have mattered. But obviously Julius Randle earned it. What he's done with the Knicks this year has been crazy. Julius Randle deserved a lock, in my opinion. But I also think DeMontis deserved a lock. The Pacers are fourth in the East. There really isn't a reason why he shouldn't have made it. And his stats are comparable to Nicola's. I think Nicola averages a few more points than him. I think Nicola's averaging 24 and 11. I think Sabonis is averaging 21 and 11. Um, and all their stats outside of the few points per game off, they're pretty much comparable. So it doesn't make any sense to me as to why Nicola made it instead of DeMontis. Because I think for me, the biggest thing I think is team record. It was kind of the reason why I believe Dame should have started over Luca. Luca is an incredible talent. Luca is a bona fide all-star, you know, one of the best players in the league for sure. But at the same time, you got to reward winning, right? Unless you're averaging a crazy amount of stats like last year when Bradley Beal missed it, the Wizards were obviously hot trash, no doubt. But at the same time, though, what Beal did last year was insane. You know, he had over 30 points per game. He was the only player in NBA history to not make the All-Star game while averaging above 30, which is a crazy, you know, standalone statistic that will probably never be matched. Unless there's another scenario that's similar to that, which is you know who knows. And shot to though he finally got his 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 due diligence. He's finally made the All Star game. I think this is the second time. I'm not sure sure. I'm pretty sure he's made it before, but it was weird for me not to. You know, it would have been weird not to see him play. But he's a starter. He's doing fantastic for the Wizards, and the Wizards are they're getting a little bit better. They won four straight. I think they'll get there, but. Yeah, back to the concept of winning. I mean, winning is a very important thing, and I just feel as though it wasn't like DeMontis Sabonis was putting up 15 points a game, right? This guy was averaging a double-double, playing great defense, and has put up some crazy stat lines this year already. And the Pacers are the fourth best team in the East right now. They're 15 and 14. You know what I mean? They've been great, especially kind of – you know what's happened to the team. They don't They don't have Karis Leverry right now. Victor Lodipo is traded. You know, they have a few pieces that have left. And they're still playing great. They're still kind of contending. And nobody sat there and is thinking, okay, the Pacers are going to win the East. But for the Pacers to kind of be fourth right now, ahead of Toronto and ahead of Boston, and ahead of Miami too. Miami's been another disappointment, which we'll definitely kind of get into here. But... I firmly believe that Devontis should have been picked over Nikola Vucevic just because you have to award winning. The Magic right now are 12th in the East, and the East is not great. The East is, matter of fact, pretty bad. Um, and for me personally, you had to reward it. Devontis should have been in. Um, now, there's a couple other snubs I think people were talking about. Trey Young was one of them. Uh, Trey Young, statistically, one of the best point guards offensively. But if you were to sit here and tell me he deserves to be over and over Zach Levine, I would have told you hell no. Um, if you if you think he should be above Jalen Brown, I don't think so. Do I think he should be above Ben Simmons? I think a lot of people give flag to Ben. And obviously, this is the Sixers fan in me talking. But Ben Simmons is right now, I mean, he's going to be first team all NBA. Right? You know, he's averaging, I think, like 16, 8, and 8. And, you know, you're right. On the offensive side of the basketball he really hasn't improved since his, his rookie year. And I do think that he should definitely be developing that three by now because it's utterly ridiculous. But at the same time, I think with the team and way that is structured, which we'll kind of get into a little bit later as well, has been, like I said, nothing short of fantastic. Um, And I don't think that he should have been picked over Ben um, in terms of the guard spots. You know, um, if, they, if if push comes to shove and two people have to sit out, I think the next two up should be Sabonis and Trey Young. But I would put Sabonis in over Trey Young. Um, but yeah, Chris Middleton was another guy. Tobias Harris was another guy. Um, personally, I would take Tobias over Chris Middleton at this point. Um, but I was watching TNT a little bit ago, and Dwayne Wade kind of said it best. He kind of said that Tobias Harris gets slided for the teams that he plays on, right? Because if Tobias was on the Detroit Pistons, which he was before, but if he was on the Pistons now with the way that his game is now, I mean, he'd be putting up the same stats as, the other, as these other guys. You know, he's the third option on the best team in the East right now, currently. And not only that, but he's a pivotal option. He's averaging over 20 a game on this team. You know, it's weird how, like I said, I'm happy to see Ben made it, but if Tobias Harris would have made it, I would have had the biggest smile on my face because I think Ben was a given. But having to see Tobias maybe on that team would have been insane. But in terms of Chris Middleton, you know, the. And it's crazy about Tobias Harris, too. Both these guys are on pace or very close to having 50 40 90 seasons. You know, which is great shooting splits. Um, 50% from the uh, from field goal range, 40% from three, 90% from the free throw. Tobias Harris is only a half a percent off from achieving 50 40 90 because he's shooting 89.5% from the free throw line. The growth in his game from last year has been fantastic. And I think Doc Rivers has done wonders, which is why Doc Rivers is going to be the coach of the All Star team in the East. I just think that there really wasn't any significant snubs. I think, obviously, in the West, Devin Booker should have definitely made that team, and it's going to suck because, if I remember correctly, I think Devin Booker made the All-Star team last year through the reserves, if I remember correctly. So it's going to suck to see him back-to-back years hit the reserves, but nonetheless, people aren't going to remember that. People are going to remember him being an All-Star Cowboy player and being on the All-Star team. But it's just weird how he doesn't get in there first try. Um... But yeah, you know, the all-star teams, it's going to be interesting to kind of see how that game is played. Definitely want to see the slam dunk contest, because I feel like the slam dunk contest can be kind of lit this year. It's not going to touch the Aaron Gordon, Zach Levine show that we had, but it's cool. But shout out Zach Levine again, though. I'm so happy that boy made the all-star team. He should have made it last year, in my opinion. Obviously, the guard positions are very stacked in the NBA, regardless of what conference you're in, as you're seeing again this year with the Trey Young snub. Um, But... It's super cool to kind of see him flourish and develop, and he's definitely a killer in this league for sure. Um, but yeah, you know, I have the um, the Celtics-Mavericks game's currently on uh, TNT right now. I have it on in the background, the volume is at zero. And <laughs> these two teams have been, in my personal opinion, probably the two disappointments in the league this year in, in terms of team play. Um, you know, the Bucks are kind of up there as well. And obviously the Heat, but these are two of the top four disappointments in the league this year, in my opinion. You know, when you look at a team like Boston, obviously, you know, this is a team that has made the Eastern Conference Finals, I believe, two of the last three years. You know, and this is a team that you expect them to kind of continue the the growth that they've had. You know, obviously, you know, Jason Tatum is still an all-star. He's an all-star this year. Jalen Brown becomes a first-time all-star this year as well. So you're kind of seeing that development come in. And like I said, it's been nothing short of remarkable. But nonetheless, I mean, the Boston Celtics, and I kind of blame this heavy on Danny Ainge. And Danny Ainge kind of took that responsibility, which doesn't really mean much in my personal opinion. But the biggest thing about Danny Ainge is that he's had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to improve this team. And instead, he kind of takes the easy way out. He stacked all these draft picks. You know, what he did to the Nets in, what was it, 13, when he basically gave up KG, Paul Pierce, and Jason Terry, three old-ass dudes for basically seven years of the Brooklyn Nets' future was insane. And the fact that the NBA allowed that to happen is fucking crazy. But Uh, Well, what good is that, though, if you're not going to be able to do anything with those picks? Obviously, they draft Marcus Smart. They draft Jason Tatum. They draft Jalen Brown. But, you know, you have to be able to kind of pick up a couple free agents. They had the opportunity to trade for, you know, Blake Griffin when he was leaving L.A. the first time, which might have ended up paying off. But, you know, you had the opportunity to get Anthony Davis. You know, he had the opportunity to kind of go after these players, go after some big free agent signings, and they didn't really do anything with it. Um you know last year you know they finally you know they get Kyrie they get the Kyrie signing Kyrie leaves and then you're like all right well we got to replace Kyrie so I'm going to replace Kyrie with Kemba Walker Kemba Walker is not Kyrie Kyrie's better than Kemba Walker I don't care if Kyrie's somewhat of a locker room cancer which clearly doesn't seem like he is in Brooklyn people seem to be pretty chill that he's in Brooklyn So that comes to the concept of You know, Kemba, yeah, he's a good locker room guy, but he's not Kyrie Irving. He's not. And then obviously this year, more specifically, we're seeing Kemba get hurt. And even when he does play, he's not playing like that all-star Charlotte Kemba Walker. And we kind of saw this in the postseason last year. He had a few games in the postseason where he was just miserable, abysmal, just didn't even show up. And the thing with this Boston team is they need to pick up a big, quickly. And this kind of dives into the Dallas you know, side of things as well with the Mavericks side of things. Both of these two teams do not have any suitable defensive big men. Um, the Celtics try to salvage their season after they basically dumped Gordon Hayward for nothing when they had the opportunity, once again with Danny Ainge. From all accounts, they had the perfect opportunity to get rid of Gordon Hayward, send him to Indiana, and get Miles Turner in exchange, which Miles Turner's been on trade blocks for years. He's been in trade rumors for the last couple of years now, and it's weird because Miles Turner is definitely one of the most underrated players in the league. But like, he would have fit so well in Boston. He has three point shooting, and his defense is elite. So it's kind of weird to me to not see how, if you're Boston, you don't pull that trigger. Because if you're Indiana, right, worst case scenario, you don't get Gordon Hayward, you keep Miles Turner, which is not bad at all. You know what I mean? And then obviously you let him go to Charlotte for virtually free. And shout out to Charlotte. Charlotte's played well as well. And Gordon Hayward could have been another guy that could have potentially made that all-star team. You know, the Hornets are only a half a game back from Boston right now. And you could have argued this time last year, you didn't really see that coming. You didn't. You know what I mean? Instead, okay, they get rid of Gordon Hayward. They pretty much swung and missed or didn't even swing at all this past free agency. And then, you know, to on the last couple of days of major free agency, they're like, we got to salvage this. So let's pick up Jeff Teague and pick up Tristan Thompson. And don't no disrespect to Tristan Thompson. He's a good player. But I mean, what's he going to do for you? What's Jeff Teague going to do for you? And I think it's the biggest thing right now for Boston is they need to get a center that can rebound the ball and be a, a true big man then not only that, but depth. I mean, after Tristan Thompson, you know, there's Daniel Tice. He's not good. Taco Fall is terrible. No disrespect to Taco Fall, but he is not good. So you need to be able to kind of get depth. After Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who's scoring for you? Nobody. You know, it, this goes into another thing, too. You need three all-stars to really win. You do. Uh, unless your two talents are just just out of this world, different element like for the Lakers last year you know when you kind of saw LeBron and AD um, they didn't have a third all-star but like it's LeBron and AD when those guys are playing their best they're two of the three best players in the league because KD in my opinion is probably second but they're two of the best three players in the league so you don't need that and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are not there yet in their development to where you know, and like I said, two years from now that could be a different conversation. But right now they're not there yet. To where the them two can take over an entire series, and they wouldn't need a significant help from their bench. And shout to the Lakers too. They they their bench has played great uh, in in the in the bubble. Obviously this year they're kind of slacking, especially with AD being out now. They're kind of starting to feel the effects. But in Dallas's case too, you know, with this Mavericks game going on, you know. Their defense is not great either. And this kind of gets into the big man story. Christoph's Porzingis. Um, I don't know if the reports are 100% true, but I heard that you know Dallas was calling Golden State and calling on their teams and saying, hey, if we just said, hey, we're thinking about trading Porzingis, would you be interested in him? Kind of gouging the market in a sense. And... You know, we don't know if there was interest or we don't know what they would have offered. But Christoph Porzingis, you know, this is something, too, where when he plays, he plays great. But the problem is he has to play. He has had trouble playing his entire career. And another big problem with Porzingis, too, is he's not a true center, which is crazy to think because this guy, this, this fuck ass is seven foot three. He's seven foot three. And he plays like he's 6'6", six, 6'5". Six, six, you know what I mean? And that's dangerous. And it's it's weird to kind of see that. They obviously, you know, it, it sucks to see that, like, okay, bet, like, I wish I wasn't 7'3". I wish I was, like, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, so I can play my natural position. But you're still 7'3", and he's athletic. But the thing is, is that he doesn't play. And, you know, he's always hurt. And if you're Dallas, like, they didn't take a significant gamble on him anyway. If I remember correctly, they traded Dennis Smith Jr. I think Kevin Knox might have been involved in that deal. And maybe a few other players in a pick. I don't remember the specific trade details between the Knicks and the and Dallas for them. But, I mean, Dallas didn't really lose much. And Dallas has been a team, too, where they just struggle with consistency. And I think their most inconsistent player is probably Josh Richardson. You know, um, I'm familiar with Josh Richardson. Obviously, he's played in Miami. Then he got traded to Philly as a part of that Jimmy Butler deal. And, you know, when I, when I saw him from Philly, because I watch a lot of Philly games, right? And kind of what I saw last year was Josh Richardson, he's, he's, he's a guy that can drop 25 one night. And then two nights later, when they play their next game, he can drop six points. That's the literal definition of inconsistency. It's the literal definition of inconsistency. And if there was a poster boy for inconsistency, it would be Josh Richardson. And I thought Philly robbed them. I thought Philly robbed Dallas blind when they were like, all right, we'll give you Josh Richardson, but you give us Seth Curry. What do you think? And Dallas was like, yes. And, you know, if you're Philly, you're like, well, thank you. Pleasure doing business. But like in your head, you're celebrating. And Seth Curry has played phenomenal for Philly. He's been one of the key players over there and a big reason why they're number one in the East right now. But if you're Dallas, I mean, you miss Seth Curry for sure because you miss his consistent shooting, and then you also miss his ability to play the defense on the three-point line. Josh Richardson can play great defense, but his offense is just its abysmal at times. And I think Dallas struggles with that with that ability to stay consistent. You know, that's a big reason why they're 14 and 16 right now is just because they can't consistently get things going. But when they do, they're definitely on one and they're tough to beat. But defensively, they're struggling and I think it's the biggest reason why they picked up Josh Richardson because obviously Richardson is the better defensive player than Curry. But Josh can only do so much before, you know, other teams expose other holes in the in the team's game. For example, Luka's defense, obviously, you know, we look at other players on the team. They just don't have that depth or that firepower to really sit there and do damage, right? Kristaps is hurt all the time. Luka has to carry the ball, you know, on the offensive level. And like I said, I mean, Luka can drop 40 and still lose the game. And that's probably because of the fact that nobody else can do what he's doing. And that's probably, that's the biggest reason why Luka and Dallas are not going to do anything for the foreseeable future, unless they can somehow make a power move Uh, to where they can get somebody that can drop 20 plus a game on a consistent basis, but until then they're going to struggle. They're going to struggle. You know, uh, this, you know, this season has been very interesting too, just because with COVID and everything like that. And it's very weird to kind of see, okay, has this played a part? Has this played a part? And I think the biggest team that kind of flourished in the bubble last year was Miami. Now that they're outside of the bubble, the team to kind of flourish the least and has taken a big regression was Miami as well. Uh, Miami's sitting here at 13-17. and 17, They're 10th in the East. Now, fortunately, you know, sitting at 13-17, and 17, we're still... We're just about halfway through the season. And... Miami... I mean, we're in the East. The Miami's in the East. So, it's not like Miami is just completely down bad and they have no chance of doing any damage. Because you can always go on a run and then all of a sudden you're 8th. Because they're only... A game and a half back from the East from from an eighth seed and making the playoffs in the East. Right. But if you're Miami though, too, you shouldn't be in that case. Obviously, Jimmy Bowler had a significant, you know, COVID layoff, a couple weeks, I think is what it was. And not only that, but you can kind of tell that he's seen some effects of COVID. But Jimmy Butler, he his demeanor is one of the best in the league, in my opinion. And he's probably never gonna say, Yeah, yeah, COVID took a tool on me. I don't think he's ever gonna say that. You know, and I – obviously, I, w- I would love to see Charlotte make the playoffs just because that's the home state. I would love to see New York make the playoffs too because Madison Square Garden, you know, come playoff time, if they have fans there, would be bumping. But, I mean, on paper though, Miami, once Jimmy Butler kind of gets his groove back, Miami should be that team in there that slides into the backside of the Eastern Conference just because it's 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 always hard to see. And you kind of saw that big one they had against L.A., That team's there. They just need to kind of, you know, that's that C word again, consistency. They kind of just need to kind of bring it together every night. And once they do that, they'll be a tough team to beat in the East. With that being said, though, I mean, that team has not gotten better. Um, It obviously seems like Bradley Beal wants to stay in Washington. So at least for another season, you're going to see Miami probably not win the chip. Um, Because I don't think they're better than Brooklyn. I don't think they're better than Philly. I don't think they're better than Milwaukee. That gap, it was weird to kind of see it, and I called them beating Milwaukee in the playoffs last year. I did. You know, I was like, you know, I don't like that matchup for Milwaukee. I think Jimmy Buller's a dog, and I think he's going to will this team. And I think when you have a guy like Bam Adebayo, too, that's a guy who's very versatile on the defensive end. But the reason why I feel like, you know, Miami wouldn't beat a team like Philly was because Joel Embiid. Joel is the X Factor. If Joel Embiid played every game. Who's stopping Joel Embiid on Miami? Nobody. Bam. Bam is the same height as Draymond Green. I'm pretty sure Bam is like 6'9", 6'10". He's not gonna stop a seven foot two Joel Embiid. He's not. In terms of Brooklyn, that firepower that they have right there, I think my roommate he showed me a crazy stat where I think it was there was five or six Brooklyn players that were shooting over forty percent from three, which. The level of efficiency on that team, like they're gonna they're on track right now to be the number one um offensive team in the NBA's history. Like their offensive rating will be number one. That's what they currently have right now. It's not just in the league, it's the entire league's history. The efficiency that they've had on the offense end of the basketball has been nothing short of insane. And I think that's why Brooklyn's a scary out. And you have to look for Brooklyn in that buyout market because you're gonna see players like obviously DeMarcus Cousins are getting released. I don't really think DeMarcus is all that. He's probably gonna go back to LA again, and they're probably not gonna use him again. Just like they had the last two years. But there's gonna be players like Blake Griffin, players like Andre Drummond, uh, maybe a player like Kevin Love. It'll be interesting to kind of see what Cleveland does with that. Um, Cleveland needs to get rid of Kevin Love, ASAP. Like they need to get rid of him yesterday. Um, but those four ish players, you know, are like the four people that you're kind of looking at in terms of centers or power forwards that really any team can use. And if you're any team, Andre Drummond has to be the top of your list for sure because he's the the best rebounder in the league, more than likely, off the top of my head. He's been probably the best rebounder in the league over the past five years. And any team can use rebounding. Any team can. So it'll be interesting to kind of see what happens with that. And if a team like Brooklyn can go in there and get an Andre Drummond, there's not a reason why they don't make the finals. You know, as much as I want to say Philly or any other team, Brooklyn should make the finals if they picked up Andre Drummond. And that's not like some Stephen A shit. Like, I would consistently say that regardless if they have bad nights. Because on paper, they're already one of the, they're already one of the best teams in the league. But, like, you add Andre Drummond to that team, you're going to have an NBA title more than likely. Because I think they would beat in LA. There's, a reason, there's not a reason why they wouldn't. Or they shouldn't, rather whether it's the Clippers or the Lakers. No other team in the league has that firepower. No other team in the league does. And, you know, speaking of, like, right now, if we did a finals prediction, in my personal opinion, you know, I think it's going to be Clippers-Sixers. That would be my pick. Obviously, it's probably going to age terribly now that I said it out loud. But, you know, in the East, you know, right now, Milwaukee's in in a weird state. Because I think we've seen the peak of Milwaukee. And I think the peak of Milwaukee was that Toronto series when they were up 2-0 and two game, two wins away from the NBA Finals. I just don't believe that Milwaukee is going to get better than that. I don't. So for me, the Eastern Conference should be Sixers-Nets. And I think in the Western Conference, I'm not a big believer in the Jazz yet. You know, they're 24-6, best record in the league, 9-1 their last 10. Three, I think they have three all stars. Are there two? Oh yeah, no. It should be Mitchell and Gobert all stars. Um Mike Conley could have easily been an all-star this year if it weren't for that stat class. But you have to look at the Jazz, and I just don't think that they're real yet. Maybe I'm tripping. But for me, come playoff time, if you had a healthy Lakers, healthy Clippers, I don't I can't see the Jazz beating a healthy Lakers, a healthy Clippers team. I don't. And even then, let's say the season ended right now. Jazz would go have to go through the Warriors in the first round. And then the second round, you face either the Suns or the Blazers. And the Blazers can give teams buckets. We've seen the Blazers face off against the Jazz two years ago. And the Blazers beat them in seven. I believe. Wait, no. Well, oh, it was the Nuggets. My fault. I got that mixed up. And the Nuggets are a very dangerous team too, sitting at the seventh seed. But the Blazers are a team that made the Western Conference Finals just a couple of years ago, right? Their team is set up nicely. They need McCollum healthy. They need Zach Collins healthy. They need Yusuf Nurkic healthy. And hopefully all three of those guys can be healthy come playoff time. And if they can, that's a that's another team right there. Or let's say if the Lakers or the Clippers are missing a piece or if they're injured or something along those lines, the Blazers are a team that can go in there 100% healthy and beat any team in this conference. And I truly believe that. When you have a tandem of McCollum and Lillard, then you have Robert Covington, you have a healthy Zach Collins, a healthy Yusuf Nurkic, that's a team that can do damage. And not to mention Carmelo Anthony is on that team. We don't want to forget about that Hall of Famer. He can do damage there as well. And I just don't think, like looking at what the Jazz's track record over the past couple years versus these other teams, you can start off fresh in the regular season all you want. We've seen this with the Milwaukee four straight years now, where it doesn't matter how great you are in the regular season. If you don't develop and you don't switch up in the in the postseason, it's not gonna matter. And the Jazz, same thing happened in the in the playoffs last year, right? Where they were up 3-1 against against Denver and they collapsed. And they collapsed. And that's also a collapse, too, where obviously the difference between the Jazz and the Clippers series in the bubble last year was like everybody expected the Clippers to kind of win, right, and go face the Lakers, LA versus LA in Orlando. That was the that was the matchup, right? But let's not forget too. This is the same Jazz team, twenty four and six right now, first in the league in the standings. This is the same Jazz team that has pretty much the same team as last year, and blew a three one to Denver. I just don't think that team's built for the playoffs. And I think if a Clippers team faced the Jazz, if a healthy Lakers team faced the Jazz, and if a healthy Blazers team faced the Jazz, I think it's a team that does damage. When you look at the Suns, it's tough to say because they're a super young team right now. They're a super young team right now. You know, obviously outside of Chris Paul and everything like that, they're key players in the DeAndre Aytons, the McHale Bridges, um, obviously the Devin Bookers. These are guys I have never played in the playoffs before. Never. You know, and arguably those those bubble games that Devin Booker was in last year were arguably the bet the not the best, but the highest pressure games he's been in the NBA since since the start of his career. So you know, it'd be interesting too, because you have guys like Chris Paul now, you have a guy in Jay Crowder who just went to the finals last year, you have a guy in Chris Paul who has been in the league now for fifteen years or so, has had some playoff success, some. Never been to a finals, but he has that leadership experience. So it'll be interesting to kind of see what happens with that Suns team and kind of what happens with that Jazz team. Now, I could be wrong about the Jazz, but I just think that there's four other teams in that conference that can beat him. I think teams two through five can go into the playoffs and at their best beat that Jazz team. And even the Nuggets, who at seven. Like I said, I mean, the Nuggets 3-1 come back their way to the Western Conference Finals last year and still had a couple of games that they lost against LA in the, in, the, in the Conference Finals against the Lakers that they could have won. But nonetheless, I just think the Clippers right now, and, you know, we say this every year, I think last year was just different, though, with the Clippers because even before then, I was like, there's not a reason why the Lakers shouldn't win last year, right? And I would joke around about the Clippers, but I just didn't think that they had it in them to beat LeBron and AD. And this year, I think it's different. I I really do. Paul George has had his best year. Um, this is probably his second best year he's ever had. Maybe even his first in terms of shooting. But I mean, obviously that OKC year that he had, you know, when he was top five and MVP and defensive player of the year voting was probably his best year on record. But this is probably his second or arguably even his first, you know, in, in terms of his rankings of best seasons he's ever had in the NBA. Kawhi Leonard is still Kawhi Leonard. I think a very underrated piece that they picked up was Nicholas Batum. I kind of said this the other night, but Nicholas Batum has played great over there. You know, you don't need to average 18 points a game to be effective. Nicholas Batum is averaging just under 10 and has been effective for the Clippers. Not only that, but, you know, in terms of the Lakers Clippers signings, you know, there was a big competition because, you know, um, the Clippers pick up Sergi Baca. Lakers pick up Montrezl Harrell. Also pick up Marcus Saul. And I was like, I think Sergi Ibaka was the best pickup of the three. And I still kind of feel that way. And if Marcus Saul was so good, if Montrezl Harrell was so good, then they really wouldn't have to be in the market, you know, for, you know, an Andre Drummond, right? They're going to – Sergi Ibaka was just much more of a effective situation for the Clippers, and I think he could be plugged in and, you know – effective anywhere, and I think that the Clippers, in terms of just depth, are better than the Lakers, and I think the Lakers' depth is a little bit more questionable at this point, and the reason for that is because once AD was out, obviously you're kind of seeing the struggle there. Uh, you're, you're seeing a huge struggle bust in terms of interior defense and interior finishing, because Marcus Gasol just ain't that guy. Montres Hale just ain't that guy. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, I haven't really been paying attention to him, Um, but if you're telling me that if you were talking about either Dennis Schroeder now or Rajon Rondo in the playoffs last year, like Lakers Rajon Rondo or Dennis Schroeder now, I would pick Rajon Rondo nine times out of 10. Rondo is not playing well in Atlanta, but I think it's all about fit too. I think Rondo, if Rondo went to the Clippers, I think he'd be balling. I I just think it depends on the talent that's around him. And I don't think the talent around him really benefits him in Atlanta. But Rajon Rondo when he was in the Lakers uniform last year, played great, and he was a huge piece of that championship team. Huge piece. And I don't think Dennis Schroeder is going to be that huge piece. We still have plenty of season left in the go. These are just way too early predictions. But this is kind of just looking at the first, you know, 30, 31, 32 games of the season. Um, To kind of wrap this up, though, kind of want to get into the MVP discussion very quickly as well. And for me, I look at... A team. I look at a player like Joel Embiid as my number one in the ranking right now. And like I said, that could be a little bit of bias with you know with the, um, you know with the Sixers and all that stuff. And especially you know, kind of seeing a player and Embiid kind of do this is, you know, it's, it's great. Yeah, and I, I love to see it. You know, Joel and Embiid just off of face value stats. You know, he's averaging 30 and 11. You know, has over one steal a game, over one block a game, has three assists a game, right? LeBron face stats, you know, about 26 points a game, eight rebounds, eight assists, a steal, and about a half a block a game. Joel Embiid is going to probably, he's probably the best defensive center in the league right now, one of the best defensive players in the league. Um, So he's a, he's a two-way player. People talk want to talk about Embiid scoring. Embiid's dropping over 30 a game. He's second in the NBA in scoring, if I remember correctly. Um, and he's averaging double digit rebounds. He's shooting just under 40% from three. Shooting above 53% from the field goal for field goal percentage. Has over a steal, has over a block. The work ethic is there. Right? There's not. People, listen. The biggest thing about LeBron right now, and not to sit there and say this, obviously he should be probably second in the voting right now. Cuz I probably roll him second. I think a guy like Dame is probably third. Um and then after that, you know, um that's when it comes down to the Jokics, the Curries and all that stuff. But I think Dame is probably third, I think LeBron is second and I think Embiid is first. And I think the biggest thing is, you know, for LeBron, it's always people always want to say he's 36. Right? oh, LeBron's 36 years old. He's doing this at 36. How is that an argument? Like That's not an MVP argument. You're just saying, all right, I bet he's 36 years old. That's fucking impressive. And it is, though. At 36, who the fuck else was doing that at 36? That's insane, right? But that has no recollection on an MVP argument. Because how... That's completely unfair to everybody else. Because, you know, at this point, like, at Joel Embiid's age, LeBron was winning MVPs at Joel Embiid's age right? This whole concept of being 36 shouldn't mean anything in your MVP conversation. Look at what the player does. I don't care, you know what I mean? It's the same thing, like, if LeBron had a bad game, like, for example, um, LeBron against the Wizards the other night, I think that was yesterday, if I remember correctly, I was able to catch, I was able to watch the game from, like, midway through the third quarter, you know, until the game was over, and he played, like, absolute dog shit. Um, I think I think at one point he, he probably had more turnovers than 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 shots made, you know, at the end of that game. Um, in terms of like from the third quarter on. Um and in the first half, you know, Lakers were up, beating the breaks off the Wizards. And it was LeBron's 36 and he's doing this. You know, second half of the game and OT, they lose the game. And you know he had a foul on Westbrook for the and one he missed a key free throw he had uh, quite a bit of turnovers wasn't shooting the ball well and the first half of the narrative was he's 36 let's fucking go second half of the game it's he's 36 bro give him a break <laughs> like you know what i mean like you can't you can't you can't flip flop that argument you know i'm playing both sides so i always win type shit you know, this was kind of the thing that reminded me of the Jason Tatum argument a couple years ago when he was 21 or when he was 20. You know, Jason Tatum goes crazy. Oh my God, he's only 20. Like, this was the year when, you know, he played in the Eastern Conference Finals against LeBron, took the LeBron Cavs team to seven games, and was honestly down to the wire until like the last minute and a half of the game where it kind of blew wide open. But Jason Tatum was killing the game. He was only 20. Then he has a bad game. And it's like, guys, he's only 20. He's still maturing. And even in the case of LeBron, it's the same concept. When he goes crazy, he's 36. When he plays a bad game, guys, he's 36. He's old. He's he's getting up there in age. He's going to have games like this. Come on. LeBron is... (sighs) It'll be interesting to kind of see where the Lakers finish. For me, you can't... I don't really know what your argument would be for you know, the whole LeBron's my MVP type of thing. And the only reason why I say this is because, you know, the only concept that you can really think of is, okay, well, Joel Embiid has Ben Simmons, so all of a sudden, like, especially Lakers fans in general, though, but there's a lot of slander put on Ben Simmons. If Ben Simmons is as bad as everybody thinks he is, or as bad as a lot of people say he is, then if anything, Joel Embiid should be getting more more respect, right? It's... If Ben Simmons is as bad as people think he is, Joel Embiid should give me more respect in the MVP conversation. And he's already getting a ton of respect as is. But even with the LeBron fans or the Lakers fans or whatever the case is. Because, you know, even then, like, we, let's say we look at we look at the teams here. Obviously, when since Davis has been out, this is a Lakers team that's kind of slid a little bit. They've slid. And... It'll be interesting to kind of see, you know, they have a tough schedule coming up as well. If they scratch a few dubs, then maybe they can resurge that. But, I mean, you know, Ben Simmons was out. Joel Embiid dropped 50. Like, you know what I mean? This whole whole thing with LeBron where it's like, he's a great player, probably the GOAT more than likely definitely a top two player of all time and LeBron probably should have one or two more MVPs in his arsenal um and like I said but as of this moment I mean it's not like LeBron's stats are blowing in beads out the water and then what I mean the Lakers have played the uh, played the Celtics uh, played the Sixers already Sixers are 1-0 against the against the Lakers Uh shout out to Bias Harris for that game winner um You know, and I mean, we can even look at, let's look at the box stats real quick, because I'm pretty sure both of them probably played great. Yeah, so this game was 106 to 107, and at the time, they were the two best players in the league, right? Or the two best teams in the league, my fault. You know, Joel Embiid goes in there, and drops twenty eight, six and four, and LeBron goes crazy for thirty four, seven and six. Both these teams are great. Both these players are great. Obviously, I think the MVP conversation is close, but to sit there and be like, "All right, bet," like, you know, LeBron is just clear. Like, you know, if, if you had, if there was a clear favorite, it would have to be Embiid. Embiid is top ten, top fifteen in most, um, in most metrics. Top ten probably in terms of points, rebounds, all that stuff. He's shooting a better field goal percentage than LeBron. He's shooting better from three-point range than LeBron. And we can double-check that, making sure that you know I'm not spreading you know, no lies. Let's double-check that very quickly. Yeah, so he's shooting a better three-point percentage than LeBron. He's scoring more points than LeBron, shooting a higher field goal percentage than LeBron, has more rebounds than LeBron, more steals, more blocks, and his PER rating for Joel Embiid. His player efficiency rating right now? If the season ended today, Joel and B would finish with a top ten player efficiency rating of all time. If the season ended today, so this whole thing is weird. And in the years with LeBron's finishing top, you know the best player efficiency rating, he's won the MVP. LeBron is not top ten in PER if I remember correctly as well. And I think Jokic has the next highest player efficiency rating, which is why he's also top five. But we use the player efficiency rating to measure a player's effectiveness in the game. And Joel Embiid, you know, has the best PER in the league right now. And for that reason, there's not a viable argument other than other than the fact that LeBron's 36 and the Lakers have are one game ahead of the Sixers for a better record in the league. That doesn't do it for me. Unless the Lakers, unless the Lakers were. Thirty and five, and the Sixers were twenty and ten, or yeah, twenty and fifteen, or whatever that record would look like. Unless there was a discrepancy like that in team records, then there really shouldn't be a reason why as to LeBron be a clear cut favorite. If the season ended today, Joel Embiid is the MVP. LeBron is second. Dame is third. Um, Jokic is probably fourth, and Curry is probably fifth. Simple as that. Maybe KD's in there somewhere. I don't know but he's not top two. It'd be Embiid, then LeBron. With all that being said, though, uh, we're running about 49 minutes on this podcast, so it would definitely be the longest podcast that we have, I believe. So hopefully everybody enjoyed kind of the NBA takes and all that stuff. A lot of Sixers shit in there. I always be doing that, though. I always be bringing the Sixers up. Why? Because I'm a, I'm a Philly fan, so you know we're toxic. But anyways, hopefully everybody enjoyed the NBA takes. If you guys have any sort of NBA questions you want me to answer, you know, feel free to ask me and everything like that. Um, Also, uh, with uh, any other sport as well, I think NFL is something I want to talk about. I'm going to wait on the NFL um, podcast for a little bit, uh, at least until we see some traction with the Deshaun Watson shit. I don't know when free agency starts, but I would also love to kind of, um, you know, do a couple NFL podcasts about free agency um, as well free agency reactions, as well as the NFL draft reactions. Hopefully free agency isn't too far away because I'm very excited for the new NFL season to start already, even though it ended a couple weeks ago. But yeah, as always, if you guys enjoyed, be sure to like, repost, follow, uh, whether you're on Spotify or SoundCloud. Just want to say very quickly again, if you made it this far, thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed. Hope you guys take care. Hope you guys' uh, start of the week is going well. And hopefully I'll be seeing you guys again sometime this week. Definitely want to put a couple more podcasts out before the week ends. Hopefully you guys have a good rest of your week. See you soon. Take care. Peace. Also, Bobby's free.